0: On today's show. The Hornets are now in the Plumlee business. We break down the big trade that brought Miles Plumlee into Charlotte.
1: And we hear from R- General Manager Rich Cho on his thoughts on the trade and what the Hornets lost in Spencer Halls and Roy Hibbert.
0: We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On, Hornets.
1: You are Locked On. Locked On. Locked On, Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, Charlotte Hornets news and analysis in your podcast feed every day, whenever you need it. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend. He's ready to do some trade talk. It's David Walker.
0: More trade talk, Doug. We we discussed it a little bit, but there's always more to talk about. I and mean, could there be more trades? We don't know.
1: That's a great question, and we have some insight on that coming up. Uh, we're going to examine this trade that brings Miles Plumley from Milwaukee in exchange for Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert. Basically, we're going to figure out: Does this come down to?
0: Show no,
1: or is it more on the side of? Not great, Bob. We'll figure that out, David. That's what. Oh. That's what we're here to do, and ultimately, we have to decide if the Hornets are looking good. That's the ultimate mm-hmm. question. That's a, a good R. send-off okay. there to our man, Roy Hibbard. All right, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. You know, David, my Twitter feed right now, the Locked On Hornets Twitter feed, is. it's not my Twitter feed, it's your Twitter feed. It's all of our Twitter feeds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's full of uh, some anxiety, I'll put it that way, towards this trade. And uh, half my timeline, because I follow, obviously I follow a lot of people who cover the Hornets, and then I follow um, uh, people who cover Charlotte in general. Half my timeline, my personal timeline, is filled with uh, Hornets takes, and half my timeline is filled with people who are calling uh, RIP to Southend, a neighborhood in Charlotte, after uh. a burrito place, Fat Burrito, is closing down due to construction. Mm. David, Great burritos. Great burritos, but it's not the end of an entire neighborhood, right? I hate to get like local talk. I no, not My all man. of our listeners are are Charlotte people, but I just have to say, like one burrito place closing it does not a neighborhood destroy.
0: No, but I think there's been some other spots around there that have closed too, right? Some of those but here's early the thing.
1: Doctors. This is the thing with progress, okay? Yes, okay. things okay. are going all to close right. in the short term. But overall the neighborhood is going look things change I you know I go so, back to I go back to Chapel Hill and Franklin Street and yes a lot of the places that I used to frequent man. Have gone out of business, (laughs) but other places pop up and you try them. This it's it's just it's the circle of life.
0: So so like when you were watching uh, movies growing up, and there'd be like the big bank was trying to close the mom and pop shop. You were cheering for the bank.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's not what I'm saying. No other no that no. Listen, it's not like uh, McDonald's is ready to set up. uh, You know, three uh, uh, cafes outside of our studio here in South End. That's not what I'm saying. There will be other mom-and-pop locations. Yes, those small businesses closed... But there will be opportunities for other businesses to grow. You know why? Because things like this cause people to move to Charlotte. And when people move to Charlotte, there becomes a demand for product. Things change. That's the whole, that, by the way, that should be the whole theme of this show as we get set to talk about this hornet's trade, is that things okay. change and we have to um, be open-minded about it, possibly embrace it. Um, but if we are immediately saying, "Well, that's the end of the Hornets," Miles Plumley for Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes, <laughs> or that's the end of South End because a, an OK burrito place decided to close shop. Whoa! Well, well, the owner is, said he. I, I he, think but,
0: they're better.
1: What? Well, no, they listen. Might come back, right? The owner said he was done. He just wanted to try something new, and and uh, honestly, huh? it had gone downhill. I'm going to be honest. That's that's a hot. Oh, that may be a hot take. Wow. I, wow. Listen, I go to it a lot, and it had gone downhill. Because I think they were just kind of done.
0: Well, listen, one of my other favorite uh, Dilworth, Borderline, South End places was uh, East Boulevard Bar and Grill. And my man Frank uh, pulled out for the same reason recently this year. Just wanted to try something new. Wanted to see what else was out there. So, you know, I I hear what you're saying, Doug. I think people, one, hate change. Two, are scared of it. (laughs) And three, don't want to lose delicious burritos. So... I can't really blame them.
1: No. Okay. Let's uh, let's talk about this trade because there's some changes going on around the Charlotte Hornets right now. They acquire center Miles Plumlee from the Milwaukee Bucks in exchange for Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert. Miles Plumlee uh, in the middle of a four-year, fifty-plus million dollar deal. Something that will pay him around twelve point two and twelve point five, somewhere in there per year. Uh, David, I want to start this discussion by telling you this. Last night, I watched one of my favorite films, Groundhog Day. Very underrated film. Love it. And, of course, it was Groundhog Day yesterday. Premise of the film, for anyone that uh, doesn't know, Bill Murray, he lives the same day, Groundhog Day, over and over for a very long time. I mention this film, David, because I feel like I'm having a Groundhog Day of sorts, a Groundhog Day moment, if you will. Instead of living the same day over and over, I feel like, as a as a fan and as someone who's covered the team now for three-plus years, that I'm living the Hornets season over and over uh, with mm-hmm. this uh, slow January paired with a, a very rich show type of small move that we uh, did we were calling for a big splash but we sort of something inside us always knew that it was going to be one of these type of moves this trade feels very familiar does it not
0: yeah it really does let me ask you this right off the top about this trade if you take the money out of it if he's making you know Five million or whatever. Half of this. is. Are people as upset by this right now? I feel like the money is the big sticking point for a lot of people.
1: Yeah. So if, for example, if he were making five million and this was a straight up trade, Roy Hibbert for Miles Plumley, would people be upset about it? I don't think so.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't and think you, so either. Because not, you, only, you
1: only had to pair Hawes and Hibbert together because of the size of the deal, and the size of the deal was only the size of the deal because of the circumstances that we find ourselves in in the current NBA landscape, which is full of TV money.
0: Yeah, and I really think of it as a, as a, as a Hawes flip, you know, and, and they threw Roy in, I guess, thinking of it from the perspective of the Hornets look, I don't know how much Roy Hibbert has got left to be honest with you. I mean, hopefully he can find somewhere and get healthy and they can maybe help him, you know, play a few more games in a row, but just looking at him, Doug, and you've watched it. I mean, it's interesting because like Clifford said and some people pointed out that the, the offense, the starting lineup, you know, didn't really dip that much with him on the floor, but like he, I mean, he's just having trouble getting around, um, moving. I make him sound like he's ready for the rest of him. But he just—he never regained that form of the Indiana Pacers days. He was not the same rim protector at all, um, and he wasn't a force in the paint with defense. And, you know, his offense was kind of a nice surprise, but, like, if you can't play him uh, in certain situations anyway, and then if you can't play him because he physically can't go on some nights, what are you really giving up? And Roy Hibbert, you know, it just didn't work out. And Rich Cho said that in his comments yeah, yesterday.
1: Yeah, I have the I have the quotes here from uh, Rich Cho in his conference call to the media. He said, "Quote, well." I think we had pretty high expectations when we signed Roy. And as you know, he had a really good first game, but then he had some injuries and it's kind of tough to get into a rhythm, into a groove when you are up and down with the injuries. Unfortunately, it didn't work for Roy here. But one thing that you have to do when you're a team, when you feel like something's not working, you have to try and move on quickly. And so from the team's perspective – that's what they were trying to do is move on from a situation. They took a gamble on Roy Hibbert on a one year deal. So, and here's the thing, David, and we talked about this in the offseason. Had it worked out with Roy Hibbert, had it gone gangbusters with him and he had a, a career revival of sorts, right. the Hornets right. would have had a tough time retaining him. Right. So either either way you look at it, it was going to be tough. So they decided to move on and at least Uh, from my perspective, I mean, at least they bring someone in, in Miles Plumley, who addresses some of the issues that they had with Roy Hibbert, which was, or with the second unit in general defensively, which is a lack of athleticism. And if you didn't Mm -hmm. listen to our initial thoughts, David, I thought you had the most insightful comment of all uh, when this trade first happened, when you said, listen, he can run and jump. (laughs) Like, it sounds simple, uh, thats you know, hashtag analysis, but seriously, it's that athleticism that this second unit defensively has been missing.
0: Oh, yeah. So I think now if you look at what you give up in Spencer Hawes, it's just funny to hear people lamenting the loss of Hawes at this moment. I mean, if you look back when he was acquired, you heard much of the same talk about getting him, you know, um, there was some questions and some second thoughts up on getting halls and look we talked about spencer he was a contributor that was solid in spurts um but quite frankly was just playing too many minutes especially the other night against the golden state warriors and he he was just not adding anything on defense to that second unit whatsoever as you said which plumley can and i don't think you're really giving up that much on spencer halls to be honest with you i you know i saw a couple takes that just made the hornets worse and i just don't see how that's possible to be honest with you if you're talking the encore products, I mean, you put an athletic defender, big man in Clifford's system. He really is kind of like a Cody Zeller light. If you like what you see in Cody, I think you're going to be okay with what you see in Miles Plumley.
1: And David, I think a lot of people look at his game log from this season he, uh, and, and Milwaukee a valid
0: concern. I mean, valid and think. Person, wait a minute.
1: Yeah. Wait a minute. What's going on? He can't even get on the floor in certain games from Milwaukee. He's all over the place. I would just say this. Well, yes, it's a valid concern, but I would say this. But look
0: at the roster.
1: Look at the roster. They have, when you compare Milwaukee's roster and Charlotte's roster, might not be any more different in the NBA. Because you have one roster in Charlotte that's built on um, skill and and basketball IQ, and, and then you have another one in Milwaukee, and certainly there are a lot of smart guys on that team, but it's built around athleticism. And and just raw amazing talent in to Kumpo and uh, Jabari Parker. There are a lot of players. Thon Thon Maker exactly, and their front court is loaded. So when you start to take that into account, you go, okay, that's those are some of the strengths of Miles Plum. He is athletic uh, and he is good defensively, but they. You know, Milwaukee didn't necessarily need more of that. Charlotte needs more of that. So he's going to have playing time. And here's the other thing, David I think he's going to get consistent playing time. And you've heard it over and over from Steve Clifford. He really believes that players have a really hard time succeeding in the NBA if, and this is a situation surrounding uh, Miles Plumlee in Milwaukee, if you're getting zero minutes one night and 15 minutes the next night and that's yeah. been the Milwaukee thing. They they mess with their rotations all the time. And they're 1 and 9 in their last 10 games. I'll just say that. They're not having they have a lot of talent and they're not they're not living up to their expectations either. And you know, I think you put some of that on the coaching staff. So certainly it's a concern. You look at the raw numbers, you know, two a little over 2 points a game, not many rebounds. It's because his production, his minutes have been all over the place. So I think you just have to let him get into this system get consistent minutes and see where that production goes
0: yeah and they signed into that deal off of his work in Phoenix correct I mean that was well he had
1: one year to showcase himself in, in, Milwaukee in Milwaukee as well Milwaukee, okay. and he played he played well I mean he played well enough to to garner the deal yeah
0: yeah I mean the deal is 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 a bit striking I guess but i I mean I don't think it's like out of whack or, or just completely crazy given today's, you know, landscape of the of the salaries in the NBA, right? I mean, it's, you know, $12.5 million for a backup center. If you want to call that a little expensive, then, you know, I won't give you a big argument on it. But, look, the other thing about that is the Hornets, we're not going to have a lot of flexibility with the cap this summer anyway. Now, I understand putting yourself in a bit, you know, restricting yourself even more. But when you factor in that they can uh, – they just about doubled – the mid-level exception, I think, for what they'll be able to use uh, to, to, you know, to get a veteran with that spot. So, I mean, that's a plus two. I just think they needed some athleticism on that second unit. If you watch that Warriors game, I mean, you put Spencer Halls in that pick and roll, and it was, it was not pretty. It was a disaster. So I was begging for someone else to be in there with a little bit of athleticism that could catch the ball and could go to the rim with some force. So, I, I mean, Doug, I think we're not blind to the fact that People would be hesitant about this, and I don't think I got many texts that said plumly Exclamation point! It was more like plumly <laughs> Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Poop emoji. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> but 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 that's that's a Hornets trade, you know. Like you said, this is what this is the kind of move the Hornets make. Um, if you want to even classify it as a reclamation project, I wouldn't argue with you that either, because given the time he's gotten in Milwaukee, but I think you one you have to give some time. And I'm a, I'm I'm excited to see a different look out there, especially with that second unit. And look, he's going to have Kimba playing with him at times. He's going to have probably Batum playing with him at times. So I mean, there's going to be opportunities that just weren't there with the other guys.
1: And as a backup center, you know, when the Hornets get Cody Zeller back into the lineup, that's where Miles Plumley will be backup center. I, yeah. I don't think offensively he gives you any more or any less. Than what Roy Hibbert was going to give you offensively, and he's a defensive, he is a defensive upgrade. Mm-hmm. Yes, Roy Hibbert is probably the better shot blocker, but uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, but Miles Plumlee has that ability to stay with somebody near the perimeter. He can switch on a few guys. Yeah, he can stay in front of a few guys. Roy Hibbert couldn't stand. That's the thing. You get Roy Hibbert past the free throw line. And it was, it was trouble. So, this opens up a few more things for them defensively. In terms of his contract, I, I agree with you, David. It doesn't hurt them next season because they were going to be cash trapped anyway, and it may open up the mid-level exception on and on. Now, 2018-19 is a different story because mm-hmm. we've heard that there's going to be the, the cap is going to go up again, uh, uh, pretty significantly next season. But then the season after that, things may start to level out. And at that point, you know, in 2018-19, the Hornets are going to be, they'll have 97 to to $100 million in contracts if you, you know, depending on whether you exercise the option on Frank Kaminsky. Yeah. That's a lot of money that's already been invested. You've got 24 in Nick, 13 in Michael Kitt Gilchrist. Then you've got the 12 and a half in, in Plumlee. Marvin's got fourteen million that year. Kimba at twelve. He's the fifth highest no, excuse right. me, Cody Zeller would be next at thirteen point five. And that that starts to become an issue, I think, you know. That you've got Kimba yeah. Walker, all star, possibly two time all star by that time, and he's making twelve million dollars.
0: Right. Yeah. Sixth I mean, highest paid the player on the team. That's where this doesn't exactly fit a Show Deal is the length and, you know, some to some extent the amount, but you know, I, I don't know what other options they had. They got rid of uh, two larger guys that were not likely – well, we don't know about Hawes. I don't think Hibbert would have likely been here next year. So, you know, it, it, is it the perfect trade, end-all, be-all? Of course not. But I think it makes them better uh, for the time being right now. And, and, and a lot. Hopefully, it sounds like they're counting on these guys getting back and healthy because that was a lot of things that Joe said too uh, went to that, just saying we need to get these guys back and healthy. Hopefully Cody will be back soon and then they can go forward. So um, if that's the plan, they've got to be feeling good that they're going to get a full strength soon.
1: I saw the the headline in the observer saying that this was basically a, another, you know, leap of faith, another big gamble by Rich Cho and this organization. Do you feel like this was a leap of faith, a big gamble?
0: I think, when you look at Plumley from last year, yeah. I mean, you know, you're gambling that, that Phoenix Suns uh, Plumley returns. You're gambling that it's going to make to a difference,
1: up. right? That's the thing. It's not that – I mean, the contract is what the contract is. Um, you know, he, he could it, – it's not as if losing Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert versus getting Miles Plumley is going to right. turn your season in a vastly uh, negative direction. The, the big risk is that it does nothing. And that the Hornets yep. end up eighth, ninth in the Eastern Conference. Plus, they added all of this money on to the next couple of years. That's the big risk that it does nothing.
0: That it does nothing to improve you on, on the court, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just, I'm excited to see him get in there with Clifford and work with those guys. So we'll see. I mean, hey, there's your, If you have if you have hesitation about this, then we can't blame you.
1: Let's see. We've got a uh, Aussie Steve weighed in. He says a lot of Hornets fans on social media are up in arms over this deal, mainly because of the money. People need to remember that, excuse me, when it comes to contract sizes, this is the new NBA. Biz and Noah get seventeen million. Mozgov and Mahinmi get sixteen million. Based on the money, this is not a terrible contract. Obviously, time will tell if the amount of years is. But don't let his lack of production this season fool you. He is a very capable backup center that brings the exact tools that this second unit needs. Um, But I think Aussie Steve, I I like his positivity, but I think he may be in the minority because uh, a lot of, I'm I'm telling you, there are a lot of comments out there uh, that are not, and and, well, Ed here, uh, Ed's a a consistent follower of the show. He says, I doubt show is finished, uh, Toby looking good in, in Greensboro and could be ready to play some, play some minutes. So, yeah, you've, mm-hmm. you add Mike Toby into the deal. But that's another theme. It's like, is Rich Cho finished? He did comment on that in his conference. Let me get the quote pulled up here. On if he plans to make any more moves as the te- deadline approaches – Joe said, "We are definitely trying to be active and make a lot of calls. We're taking a lot of calls. We're trying to improve the team as much as possible. It takes two teams to make a trade, so we're trying to be active. But at the same time, we're probably not panicking or anything like that. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not panicking.
0: We're we're taking calls. We're making calls. Calls are involved. When it, I don't they, think they're done, but you know, you know. As soon but as the thing is, like
1: Hawes was a big was one of the big assets that they could trade." Jeremy Lamb was the other one. That was, you know, an attract could could be an attractive trade piece. So now, if if they do swing a deal, I think at this point they would have to, uh, you know, use one of their draft assets or tap into that core that they've re-signed and really love. And Rich Cho said they love the core. They're trying to win with the core: Kimba, Nick, MKG, Cody. But if they try to swing another deal, I think they have to part with one of those pieces. Which one of those pieces would most likely fit Ooh. that bill for you? These are for the tough questions. Someone? These are the tough questions that we have to answer, David. For moving someone, you mean?
0: Who would be yep. the, the candidate? Well, to me, I mean, unfortunately, <clears throat> I think they could probably get along best without. It <laughs> this sounds crazy, MKG, because. I just if think you get a shooter back, if you get something back that's going to help you on offense, you can you can still hold this defensive unit together because we've seen Clipper do it and we've seen him do it without MKG. So that's not an advocate advocacy of trading MKG. I think he could uh, have some value out there, but um, he's young. He's still young, and he's you know still on the on the come up, I guess a little bit. But I think that's the guy because you could probably survive without him. I don't know. I just don't know how much like Marvin's going to garner. Um, or the other guys as I look at it, you know. Well
1: MK but MKG's had a down year too, I think. I no, mean, no. He, so I mean, that's, 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 that's well, the problem.
0: That's, that's, that's the problem, is there's that we talked about that. They don't have a lot of assets. They right? would so be kind of they would be the best option.
1: They would be selling low. hmm And you never really want to be in that position. So no. it's tough. And Which, I think that you know, that's when when, you know, Rich Cho says it takes two teams. You know, people have to want the assets that you are offering
0: right exactly so that would just be it seems like i don't know who else would you think would have more value that people might want
1: i mean you're not moving kimba you're not moving nick so it's it's you know cody marvin mkg i, I, I don't suppose
0: know. cody probably would, would you, it, i suppose cody would probably be more attractive to some teams
1: I think so. I mean, unless again, unless a team was was in a position where they wanted to take a gamble and needed a, a defensive upgrade, you know, maybe a contender right. that really needed a lockdown defender. But
0: yeah, I just think from the Hornets' perspective, if you give up Cody, I mean, look what's happened, right? When they've given up Cody, so you're going to give up. Some well, that's of that. more
1: athleticism that you're giving
0: up. Yeah, right. And can't we do can't do really afford that. Um,
1: okay. Real quick, I mentioned Groundhog Day at the top of this. What you you like that movie? Love it. It's a classic. Has any movie? I I thought about this last night after I after I watched it, and then you know spent like thirty minutes on IMDb looking at trivia. Well, it's
0: very, it's very uh, surprisingly like uh, dark. It's a little little dark. It's it's dark, and there's you know there's a lot of theories around it, and just like the whole concept of
1: how long was he stuck?
0: Right. Yeah. Was it? Yeah.
1: Was it ten years? Was it thirty? I've, I've seen thirty-four years being bandied about. But here's my here's my one and only thought on it for this show's purpose. Okay. Has any movie been hurt more by the cover art? Like the VHS DVD <laughs> cover art? It's it's Bill Murray with these photoshopped hands. He's stuck inside of a clock with mm-hmm. like this farm behind him which they're not they're in they're supposed to be in puxatawney which is a small town but it's not a farming town and then you have andy mcdowell nc native by the way grew up in arden yep. north carolina um yep. and she has a photoshopped hand on her <laughs> on her chin it's just like the worst cover art i mean this is a brilliant film that you can really dig inside but it looks like a like um I'm going to rent this at the shows to go later. And, you know, it doesn't look like, oh, this is like a real, this has been put on top 100 list of American films and comedies. And it's a really uh, a work of art and, and a real thinker. But you look at this and go, this is like a goofy 90s, like Tommy boy, black sheep film.
0: So you're down on the cover art
1: well I'm just saying has I, I just I look at the cover <clears throat> art and I go this is not a classic film but I watch the movie and I think this is a classic film
0: Oh no question um, yeah you might be right but that was kind of in the days of the movie posters I guess we're trying to explain the whole thing but <laughs> the, I don't know
1: yeah no exactly that's for. exactly it it's like the the just imagine this with like Bill Murray. Standing uh, in the the clock tower that he jumps out of and there's like shadow play and all kinds of different things. But they they went for, they went, okay, Bill Murray and a groundhog. We're going to go for like a Caddyshack type of cover art here. Like this is like a a raucous comedy. A goofy comedy. It's like, no, he kills himself multiple times in this film. This is not Caddyshack.
0: No, it's definitely not. I hear you. Did you just stare at the movie cover art while you were watching this, or after that,
1: or for several hours?
0: Yeah. Here's my advice: don't get too caught up on it.
1: (laughs) Hey, Kimba Walker's in the three-point contest. Let's talk about that. Uh, Kimba Walker and uh, Swaggy P. Let's run down the roster. So it's going to be Eric Gordon from the Houston Rockets, who um, uh, has been just absolutely electric from beyond the arc, along with uh, pretty much all 11 guys in Houston. (laughs) Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, Wesley Matthews, CJ McCollum, Clay Thompson, and then Nick Young, Swaggy P, in the Mm three-point contest as well. Uh, Leading in three-point percentage among these is Kyle Lowry. Not Clay Thompson, not... C.J. McCollum, not Kimba Walker, although Kimba's up there. He is, what, one, two, three-fourth among these? Nope, fifth among these? All right, so he's still Kimba Walker, eighth in the Eastern Conference in three-pointers made, 135 this season. Yeah. Uh, David, looking at the field, how do you like – you're the you're Uh-oh. the all-star PhD. How do you like his chances?
0: Well, he's got to get hot. I mean, I think the consensus is so he's key. a little bit better, better of a shooter off the bounce. You know what I mean, off the dribble. Yes. So, shooting off that rack is a weird. Seems to be a weird thing for a lot of guys. It's not natural. So, if he can get comfortable and get hot, you've seen when he gets hot, uh, in games he can do it, which is the story for all these guys that go out there and win it. But uh, the, it'll come down to that. I mean, you know, if he's That's out of problem. rhythm or or feels uncomfortable, it, it can be, you know. You've seen guys really go cold. I think, was it Booker last year that just had a horrible outing? I mean, it happens every year. But look, think back to um, you know somebody else that typically you would think shoots better off the bounce is Marco Bellinelli, but he won it a couple years ago.
1: I, you know, that would be interesting if they let the players choose whether to shoot it off the rack or get the ball mm-hmm. delivered. And then somehow uh, little, and then okay. somehow factored in the time aspect of that because you know obviously it would take longer to get the ball off the bounce. But that could be Bell, no, an interesting I'm, I'm, twist.
0: I'm, I'm thinking like back, coming off screens. I guess I guess he's a bit more of a standstill shooter than Kimba. Though. But Kimba but still, likes not, but not, Kimba, not Kimba a,
1: likes Kimba likes to set up his three pointers as well. It's not just, you know, well, catch shoot, shoot catch. Sh- I mean so, he's
0: so so he's gotta be able to get through the racks too, right? Like he's he can't take forever. You know, to get those shots off because you don't want to run out of time too. That's the other thing. He has about a it. fast
1: release, but it's not the load. It's not the lightning quick release that like Curry or Curry. Thompson right. have. Right, right. That's what I worry about with Kyle. Kyle has a. I mean, he's accurate, but he is he's slow on the take. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have Kimba and Swaggy P, who I think should have. They should have to take that final money ball drop it in, not look at it and and then turn have a contest away. for extra bonus points. Yeah, for their shimmies.
0: Yeah, see this is why I wish they really would go back to doing. They used to do two guys shooting at once on opposite sides of the court and if you had Kemba and Swaggy P doing it at the same time, <laughs> and then you should you would make them finish on the top rack so that they would just fire that last ball simultaneously, turn and face each other and just walk to each other without looking at their own shots. But then you know they could each look at, at the others,
1: and then they would be they have it, like a step-up dance competition. It and would be do, fun. Like, kid, I, this they is they all do, about like, entertainment.
0: <laughs> they do like the kid and play uh, dance right in mid and spin around. I like it. Um, I thought I thought Kimba might get in the skills challenge too, but you know, too many too many big guys, I guess, in there to fit all the little guys.
1: I think on your first, I think on your first trip, you want to just pick one thing and then enjoy it, because if you're wrapped mm. up in too many events, I just feel like. I mean, there's one side that would say take advantage of as much as possible because you never know if you're going to get back there. But I say I'm a moments guy. I just like to do one event and then just sort of take everything else in.
0: Everyone likes a good moment, so I'm with you. But hey. uh, it's cool, you know. what's cool. So you got Frank and the Rising Stars, which uh, you know we'll see how that goes. And then you got Kimba <laughs> and the three. So, you, so you've got some Hornets. <laughs> you've got some Hornets flavor Saturday night and Sunday with Kimba in the in the in the main All Star game. So that's that's cool.
1: Who would you rather see? Real quick, who would you rather see in the dunk contest? Uh, Marvin Williams or Cody Zeller?
0: Cody, right?
1: Yeah, bring the hard dunk back. Yeah, the rim rocking, yam jammer. Marvin,
0: Marvin can surprise you, but uh, you de- yeah, definitely Cody. Just like, just run as fast as he can. I would only advocate.
1: I would only advocate Marvin Williams being in the dunk contest if they put one of those like wrestling pads underneath. The rim. He tries to hurt himself, man. He tries to like, it falls down. It just scares me every time he drops, drops the hammer down. Hey, uh, you mentioned good moments. Uh, have a moment for yourself. Go to twitter.com slash locked on Hornets and check out David and I making the call on Dell Curry's 40, 40 foot bank shot three in golden state, right in front of his son, Steph Curry. Yes. Uh, it was a, it's a funny moment. Check it out. It's on uh, Twitter. And uh, subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Thanks so much for listening to another great week of Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We're here daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And thanks to our sponsor this week, Frame Warehouse. Visit framewarehouse.net and uh, get the guaranteed best price on your next framing project Shoot us your Hornets questions and your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back again next week with much more analysis on this trade. We'll have some thoughts from this game Saturday night against the Utah Jazz. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's Swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up
0: late and watch TV